Hi there, guys and girls, and welcome back to the Basic Bible Girl podcast. And I kind of wanted to do a follow-up from yesterday, because I felt like one of the statements I made maybe seemed a little bit contradictory and wasn't clear. And that statement was that I believe that there's a place for legalism, that legalism can be good, but there's a point where it's carried too far. And so I wanted to clarify what I meant by that. And one of the first things I want to point out is that what most people consider legalism is not really. So for instance, um, God very clearly lays out in the New Testament um, some certain rules he wants us to abide by. He has ways that he wants the church set up. He has roles for men in the church, and he has roles for women in the church, and he has a moral code that he expects us to live by. Um, There's rules for how the church conducts business, and there's uh, rules for the church practicing discipline on its members. Um, But even some seemingly simple things like that are considered legalistic by the modern Christian standards. Like one of those uh, rules God has laid out is that women are not to usurp authority over men in the church. Women should not be teaching uh, men in the church. Women should not be preachers. And that's not going to win me any friends. Um, That would be considered legalistic by modern Christian standards. Um, So that's what I mean by there's a place for legalism. I mean it Um, legalism in the standards that most Christians set. But where true legalism enters in um, is when the church and its members start acting like Pharisees, where they start exhibiting Pharisee-type behavior. And what do I mean by that? Um, There's several things that the Pharisees were most known for, and one of the main things was that they had taken man-made traditions and added them to the law. And then as we were talking about yesterday in Romans chapter 14, uh, some of the Jews were having a hard time letting go of some of those things. And they were trying to uh, make some of these uh, traditions a sin and say, you can't do that or you're not in the will of God. And there are churches still doing things like that today. Um, They'll say, you can't have instrumental music, or you're um, not a scriptural church. You have to take communion every Sunday. Um, You have to wait a week to get baptized. Like, there's all these man-made traditions that we've put into place. And a lot of the more conservative churches look at these as sin. If your church is practicing um, some of these certain things, then you're not a scriptural church, or you're not in the will of God. But they're man-made traditions, like uh, they can't show you Bible for any of this stuff. And so that, to me, is uh, considered a a more true type of legalism than just trying to stick with some of the simple rules that God has laid out for us. Um, But one of the other things about um, exhibiting a Pharisee-type behavior is in the way that you act. Um... Are you unwilling to associate with people because you're judging them over some of the things I just mentioned? Or do they not act just a certain way? Like, 
um, maybe somebody comes to church on Sunday morning and you're not, you don't think they dress appropriately. You know, maybe uh, sister so-and-so wore a dress that was too short that you thought, or she wore pants, or some guy came in and flip flops and cargo shorts. And so now you're turning your nose up at those people because you're like, oh, well, they're not being appropriate in God's house. Guys, that's not a moral issue. Um, I promise you, God does not care. Or if he does, that's between him and that person. That's not a moral uh, issue. It's not a sin. And that's what I mean by we're making a sin out of things that are not uh, squabbling over things that don't matter. Guys, we have a hard enough time getting people in the door of the church as it is without uh, worrying about little things like this. You know, what are they wearing? Did they bring a Coke in the sanctuary? Uh, you know, all of these little things. We need to learn to let this stuff go and be more worried about people's souls and their relationship with God because. No, that's what people come to church for. They're there for a relationship with each other, with fellow Christians, and they're there to be edified. They're there to learn and to worship God, and that needs to be our main concern. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. I have a friend who was called uh, to be a youth minister at a church, and this particular church was across the street from a public swimming pool. And he made the suggestion to the church. He's like, hey, you know, every Saturday the pool is filled with young people. Why don't we have a cookout outside of the church? And we'll invite some of these young people over to eat and maybe play games. And we'll see if we can get them to come to church and talk to them about Jesus. And the church was like, oh, no, we can't do that because some of those girls might be in bikinis and they're swimming in the same pool as those boys, and we can't support that. We don't want to seem like we're associated with that. Wrong attitude. <laughs> um, you just missed an opportunity to try to witness to young people. And some people take this, and they start applying it outside of the church. They get so pe busy judging people over little petty things that they get to where they can't even stand to be around other people. Um, I know people who they can't even hardly work a secular job because they're so disgusted by everyone around them. Well, yeah, you're going to win some souls to Jesus that way. We have got to learn to let some things go. Now, I'm not saying that we don't ever take a stand for the things that are moral and the things that are right. Um, you know, if somebody comes ask, up to you and asks you, do you think homosexuality is a sin? You say yes. Do you think abortion is a sin? You say yes. Take a stand for the things you believe. But um, if there's a young lady that you know and you know she's had an abortion, that should not stop you from befriending that person and trying to lead them to Christ. Our ultimate concern is, is for other people's souls and let God sort out their sin life. And now kind of on the heels of that, um, talking about cutting ourselves off from other people, another Pharisee type behavior is isolation and exclusion. 
cutting yourself off from other people. And often the Bible that is used for this is a misuse of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. And I'm actually, I'm going to read quite a bit of verse here because it's very important that this passage is taken in context and you know what's going on. So I'm going to begin in verse 3. It says, Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry may not be blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumulants, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness and knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and of good report, as deceivers yet true. And let's uh, jump down a little bit here. Uh, verse 13 now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. These verses are speaking of being separate in word and deed. Um, speaking of living righteously so that we might keep our witness pure. It is not saying we need to go off and live in a compound somewhere like the, you know, like the Amish do. We're not going to win souls to Jesus that way. We are called to be separate, but we are called to be separate in spirit and in truth. There should be something different about us that others can see. Um, we shouldn't blend in so easily with the rest of the world. As part of um, being spiritually separate from the world and from non-believers, you should not marry an unbeliever or an infidel, someone who does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is Lord. Um, you could put the Orthodox Jews in this camp. You can put uh, the Muslims, the Mormons, um, a saved born-again Christian should not enter into marriage with these type of people. It's a little bit ironic because the Muslims call us infidels because we don't believe in their Messiah, but it's actually the Muslims who are the infidels. But kind of to bring this back full circle um, and to tie it back to what I was talking about yesterday, you can look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, which is famously the love chapter. In verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, or you can say love, 
I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. It doesn't matter how good of a Christian you think you are, what rules you follow, how much money you give to the poor, how much good you do, if you are not doing it in love, if you do not have a love for the souls of your fellow man, it doesn't mean nothing. And that's what I was trying to say when I said that there's a place for legalism, for sound doctrine, for a proper way of conducting church business and conducting ourselves. But there's a point where you take these things too far and it can keep you from loving the souls of your fellow man and keep you from witnessing to people. And so I just wanted to clarify that today so that didn't get uh, misconstrued or I seem like I'm contradicting myself. Again, as I said yesterday, do some self-examination. You know, are you exhibiting any of these qualities here that I talked about today? Are people in your church exhibiting these qualities? And if they are, and if you are, it's time for some prayer and maybe some action. Maybe it's time to make some changes. And above all else, seek God's will in all things. Thanks for listening.